Comcast's cable TV subscriber losses continue to accelerate in Q2 2023. We discuss whether Peacock is picking up the slack and how it will fare if the writers and actors strike continues into the new year. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from End Screen Media is with me. And we are both hobbled by sickness this week. So, listeners, <laughs> if you feel a lack of energy from us this week, bear with us. Yeah, yeah. It's that, actually it sounded like you'd almost forgotten the name of the podcast. Will we've had a couple of weeks off here, and and you almost uh, forgot the name there. Uh, no, I would never forget the name, Colin. I. I did take a couple of weeks off from work, though, and uh, but I've come back sick, unfortunately, so I'm not sounding that great, as I'm sure listeners will detect. And you've been a bit sick also, so um, but I think you're going to get us started today. I am, yeah. We're going to do our, our couple of news stories that, that caught our eye this week, and one that caught my eye was the news that Viaplay, which is a Nordic... Uh, streaming service, SVOD service, uh, is actually shuttering its US, UK and Canada operations. Uh, now, this wouldn't very be that remarkable, Will, except that they only launched in those countries in February of this year. So they're really bailing after only five months, which is in no way long enough for them to figure out if the service was going to be successful. And uh, I got to tell you that uh, I think it did stand a good chance of creating a decent sized audience. Um, Now, the reason why they say they are bailing, they're leaving, is that they had a really bad quarter. They lost a million subscribers overall, which put them at 6.6 million subscribers worldwide. Uh, and they had a big financial loss. I think 560 million sort of sticks in my mind. And this whole idea of becoming a big player in the US was something that was hatched by the previous CEO, Anders Jensen. And he left pretty dramatically about a month ago. And the new CEO, Jorgen Madsen Lindemann, he's got to figure things out. And one of the things he's decided to do is to cut costs so of course just launching in new territories is very costly so they're cutting those costs they're also cutting 25 percent of the workforce but i gotta tell you well i think there's a couple of reasons why i think it's a hasty decision the first is that uh, they have a really pretty interesting slate of content in via play for the US audience. One of the things they don't have is any sport. They do have that in Europe, but they don't have that here. But as we know, Netflix and other services have really had some big hits with Nordic content. And they really came with a great suite, I think, of Nordic content with things like the original A Man Called Ove. That's not the one with Tom Hanks. They've got the original... Uh, Millennium movies from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. The I don't know if anybody saw those, but the ones I've seen the the Nordic ones and they're really great, great films. A whole bunch of original content and a whole bunch of other content. So I think they had a great slate. 
They also had a ready audience. Um, now, there aren't that many Scandinavian speakers here, but boy, uh, there's a lot of fans of that type of content. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that anybody that's interested in this content and is looking to dive deep, I think they would have gone to Viaplay. So I'm kind of disappointed that they've had to withdraw from the market so quickly. I think they could have done pretty well, you know, certainly not Netflix size, but maybe they could have gotten to a million or so subscribers with, with this level of content. So big disappointment there and a quick reversal of strategy for Viaplay in the U.S. market. Yeah, what do you make of that, Colin? Is that a sign of the times that the necessity to get the profitability is just so high now that uh, riskier bets need to be we're going to be pulled pulled off of the table quicker than ever well it sounds to me like they are suffering in Europe and in Scandinavia from a real pullback in the advertising market just like we are here we are here here will and that's one of the big things that they highlighted one of the big areas that they said would cause it was causing the big loss and I think, you know, this is just a question of a company overstretching themselves or stretching themselves at a time when they get an anticipated, uh, an unanticipated pullback in revenue to support it. So I think they just were just a little bit stretched too thin and they just couldn't uh, they just couldn't see how they would return to profitability quickly enough to uh, to continue what they were doing. So they're, they're pulling back. They're pulling up the drawbridge and they're going back home and they're, they're focusing on their home markets. Yep, yep. Well, a lot of retrenchment going on throughout the industry right now. So it's a little bit of the sign of the times. Um, sure is. Actually, just to, and to, to chime in with my news item this week, sort of a, a different um, angle on video. I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but... Uh, a lot of listeners will be familiar with the company Fanatics, which is the um, big merchandise, uh, professional, well, all sports merchandise has a lot of deals with different leagues and so forth. And um, they announced some time ago that they were going to launch an app called Fanatics Live, which is kind of a combination of live streaming and commerce. And it just went live yesterday. And I have not yet had a moment to take a look at it, but I think this idea, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, it's, it's following a pattern of what we've seen uh, in Asia. There have been a number of successful companies there that have pursued this area of live video commerce. And uh, I think that's what Fanatics is going to be doing here in a, in a very big category here, of course, as well sports merchandise and collectibles. So I, uh, I noticed that finally launched this week and uh, I'm eager to take a look at. Yeah, I mean, I really like this. Uh, I love this, Will. I think uh, finding, finding ways, alternative ways to monetize in the video yeah. market is, I think, a very strong play right now. And it's a great way of diversifying revenue streams. Uh, I, I really like this play. I like the approach. And actually, it puts me in mind of something else uh, that I've been tracking, which is this. Um, uh, there's a company called Alluvio who's been doing Web3 movie experiences with Warner Brothers of some of their top movies from the 80s and 90s. 
and uh, they've been, they've created these movie experiences where you you buy different levels of the movie with different features for different prices and they're collectibles they're collectibles just like you could collect in the physical world you can collect these in the virtual digital world and resell them and it's all backed by blockchain and again it's a great way of finding new monetization methods for your existing content i love it so uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more of that going forward yeah i think that's the key comment colin is alternative ways of monetizing video i think that's a uh, going to be a really strong imperative going forward for all different types of video companies and uh, commerce is a big one yep yep diversification is definitely the name of the game uh, particularly in today's climate world so let's move on to our main story this week colin comcast reported its earnings this morning we're recording on thursday and uh also shared updated numbers for peacock and you are going to provide an overview I am. Yeah. So the results were sort of a good news, bad news from the video perspective. It was pretty it was a pretty good quarter for the company overall. They managed to increase revenue to 30.5 billion in the quarter, which is 1.7 percent up from where it was in the same quarter in Q in 2022. So overall for the company, it was pretty good growth. But in the video businesses, very, very tough times continue at Comcast. The decline in its traditional cable TV business is accelerating, no question about that. They lost, oh, I think it was 530 odd thousand subscribers in the quarter. They are, that's a 13% decrease. They're now down, excuse me, 13% from Q2 2023. They're down 2.2 million since Q2 2023. They have just a shade under 15 million subscribers. If they continue at this rate, Will, they're going to end up with about 14 million at the end of this quarter, uh, at the end of this year. And in fact, I saw speculation that Charter, which is declining more slowly than Comcast is, will have more cable TV, cable TV subscribers at the end of this year than Comcast will. So not good news on the traditional video front. A little bit brighter news with one very important caveat. Uh, on the Peacock side, Peacock picked up 2 million subscribers in the quarter. It is actually 85% um, increase in subscribers over the last year between Q2 2022 and Q2 2023 to 24 million subscribers. Uh, revenue was also up about 200 million to 820 million in the quarter, and that's 85% up as well, I guess, logically, because it's all coming from subscriptions or mostly coming from subscriptions from Q2 2022. Uh, but profit remains a problem there was the losses were about 651 million for the quarter and the losses actually increased over q2 2022 by 39 percent but the good news here for comcast is that they are now heading in the right direction uh, the the losses peaked in peacock in q4 
just under a billion. And since Q4, they've been reduced, they've reduced losses each quarter. So they're heading in the right direction. And what's more, they're heading towards to better, to best their estimate of a $3 billion loss for the year. So if they keep going in this direction, Will, they should end up with less than a $3 billion loss, which is what they were est estimating they were going to get. Now, where did those subscribers come from? They said they primarily came from Comcast subscribers that had lost access to Peacock. Now, what they were doing was they were giving all of Comcast Xfinity TV subscribers free access and broadband subscribers free access to Peacock. And they ended that program uh, in the last quarter. And so far, they've, they've managed to capture 2 million of them as subscribers to Peacock. And they're actually fairly optimistic on the call that they will be able to get uh, a good proportion more. And the reason they're so confident, Will, that they're going to they're gonna do better, I think, is because Peacock is really leaning very heavily on sport. They have a bunch of sports available through the platform. I can tell you it's one of the primary reasons I subscribe. I subscribe to... Uh, and no surprise here. I subscribe for Premier League. Everybody, everybody who listens to the podcast know I'm a big fan. And if you're a fan, you have got to have Peacock Premium to to watch it. So I I certainly do that. But it, that's not all they have. They have Formula One. They have the Olympics, of course. Uh, they have WWE, NASCAR, and uh, golf, uh, Major League Baseball. They have a whole bunch of sports in inside of Peacock. And I think it's actually one of the premier sports properties in the market. If you love sport, then you pretty much got to have Peacock, whatever your interests are. Uh, and that's why I think it's been doing particularly well and why I think they're beginning to see some light at the end of the tunnel, that they're heading more towards profitability here and reducing those losses. So that's, I think that's, that's it in a nutshell, Will. That's, that's where Comcast is going with their traditional and with their uh, direct-to-consumer properties. Yeah, I should mention, Colin, that I'm actually one of those uh, Peacock subscribers, Comcast Xfinity subscribers, I should say, who lost access to Peacock. And that was, I thought, a nice value proposition that they offered as part of Peacock's launch. Uh, to both video subscribers and to broadband subscribers was um, giving access to Peacock. That no longer is there. Uh, I hear you. I, I think they're um, very much leaning into sports. They recognize that as the, uh, I think they recognize that as the future of Peacock. And, um, and as you said, they have representation across a lot of different types of sports. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, every time there's an Olympics, which is basically every two years, right? That's another hit for, that's another hit for Peacock. So they're, uh, I think they've positioned themselves pretty well. Although uh, to your point, the losses, I think they estimated or estimated, reiterated their estimate of a loss of about $3 billion in 2023 for Peacock. That brings the two year loss figure up to about 6 billion, I think almost 6 billion. So it's been an expensive run for Comcast to get Peacock up and running, uh, but they certainly seem committed to it. And now at 24 million paying subscribers, they're starting to you know chip away there. I agree, and you know one of the frustrations I have, I think, with people when they when they talk about Peacock, will 
there is this big push towards profitability. Let, let's be real here. Peacock was the pretty much the last of the big, you know, six, eight, eight services into the streaming sphere. They and you and I both criticized them heavily for waiting so long. But given that they entered the market so recently, I think they've done pretty darn well. They've, you know, within two years, they've picked up 24 million subscribers. Um, they now have, I think, produced a product that has substantial value in it with the sports and the and the on-demand program that they have available through the platform. Um, they're, they're, I think they're past the peak of the losses that they were expecting to see, and now they're on the sort of downward trend towards profitability. And I, you know, if I think they should be cut a little bit of slack here. They are going to be profitable, and I, but, but I think it'll take a year or two for them to get there. And uh, that's to be expected. I mean, they started later than everybody else, and you would expect them to take a little bit longer to get there. Uh, and they're also making the right moves in inside of the product with... Um, with the way they've got their tiers, they have their pre premium ad tier, and they they were very, I think, very visionary in the fact that they launched with a dual service model from the beginning. They launched with ads from the start, which was clearly the right move. Um, I think about the only thing that I'm slightly critical of them is that they've withdrawn the ability to watch for free, which I liked a lot i thought that would have helped them garner even more subscribers more quickly than they have uh that but they withdrawn that that's that's probably the only major criticism i have in the strategy the rest i think is all good they're making the right moves they're they've got the ad loads about right and uh, they're doing a good job i think in filling those ad slots uh, and selling across their traditional and uh, direct-to-consumer properties uh, so you know generally I think the strategy is a solid one and I think it's beginning to pay off yeah as you said they were and as we've talked about many times they were very late to the game and it, it is interesting to your point how much the strategy has changed in a relatively short time their launch event was all about free I mean if there was one word that was spoken more at that launch event than anything else was the word free. And, um, you know, here we are less than, I think, a couple of years later. And as you said, they've already evolved away from that. So that, uh, that I think, is a bit of a loss for subscribers. But again, consistent with what everything else we've seen in the market, we've seen so many uh, free supported, free ad supported services that have moved over to a hybrid model and at the same time of course we've seen other services launch that are completely free the fast services so um, the market continues to be in flux but when you're talking about the type of content the expensive sports content that peacock is carrying uh free is i don't think free is going to be really going to be a sustainable model and, and i think they probably knew that from day one yeah yeah and I, i'm i'm sure that they were you know, were they to maintain that free tier, they'd be very careful to manage the amount of content that was available in that free tier. But, uh, you know, if they've decided to, to not do that anymore. That's fine. I will say, Will, that I think because of their sharp focus on sports, that puts them in, I think, a relatively strong position right 
now as we look out at what could happen in the next six six months to a year with the writer's strike and the actor's strike i think that services that rely heavily on scripted content like netflix and max are very very vulnerable with those strikes um, those are really beginning going to be begin to bite towards the end of this year and it could be an extremely difficult year for those services going into 2024 but because peacock has so much sport within it i think that gives it a certain level of resilience in the face of a strike of, of the writers and the actors i think they rely less on scripted content within peacock although i have to say I, for one, will be very disappointed if I don't see season two of Poker Face. But if I don't, I'm still going to stay subscribed because I've got to get my Premier League. And I think there's probably a lot of people like me who are going to stick with the service purely and simply because it's got their favourite sport and they have to have it if they want to watch their sport. So unlike Netflix, which has never really invested in sports, um, and Max, which doesn't have that much sport, I think they're pretty well positioned to withstand uh, an extended writers and actors strike. What do you think? I think that's probably true. Although I think the the whole um, streaming business is going to feel the pain of the actors and writers strike in pretty short order. It's you know there's going to be different services, as you say, that maybe have more sports content uh, that would be better insulated. But I think overall there's going to be an impression that consumers start to have that the volume of new shows, the quality of new shows is not at the level that they had come to expect it. Uh, and that is going to be the consequence of, of the strikes. And, um, you know, unfortunately, these are tough, tough issues that the um, studios and the networks and the actors and the writers are grappling with. And uh, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, purport to be an expert on the negotiating strategy of, of either side, but of any of the sides, I should say. But I, I think they're really fundamentally the way that AI is going to be treated in the future and the way that the jobs, the actual roles that the talent play in these productions um, and how they get compensated for those roles is going to fundamentally change as well. And uh, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you put a framework together to to make either side or both sides comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and I I suppose this was inevit inevitable, right? Well, and, and interestingly, Netflix, who I think is probably responsible more than any other company for helping usher in this big change, because after all, they did sort of found the SVOD the SVOD era uh, when they launched streaming in two thousand and seven. Uh, they they really didn't have much to say about this topic. They were uh, Ted Sarandis was asked very specifically about this in their last call, uh, which was just last week, and he really didn't have any crumbs of comfort for us. I did. I certainly didn't feel after listening to what he had to say that we were heading in the right direction. He did say that uh, he had a lot of sympathy for the actors and the actresses. He said he came from a home that was a union home, but he really didn't have anything to say, I think, that made me feel like that there was a there was a result on the horizon. And listening to what uh, the SAG-AFTRA 
President Fran Drescher had to say, it sounds to me like these guys are way, way apart on where they need to be if they're going to reach a resolution. So could be a long, cold winter, Will. Well, that's an uplifting note to uh, leave our listeners with, Colin. <laughs> well, I will. I, let's let's make it a little bit uplifting. One of the things I will say is in Netflix favor is that they have invested very heavily in lo- in producing content in local markets, and they've been getting some really big hits with that local content globally. So. Of course, we have the perennial um, Squid Games, which did phenomenally, phenomenally for them. But that's not all that they've invested in. They've invested in a tremendous amount of, of that content. There was data this week from Next TV, which showed that there'd been a massive increase in viewership of that international content in 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 the service, uh, and they continue to do really well. I'm. Uh, my wife and I are both enjoying right now the extraordinary loyal woo, which is a Korean a Korean show which we both love and love a really lovely, I think family friendly content that uh, everybody can enjoy. And there's just a whole bunch of that stuff there, and that sort of flicks back to via play. Um, they've had a lot of success with Nordic content on the service as well. So. Uh, I won't say that there will be no new content on Netflix. The problem is that they do definitely lead with the English language content. And uh, let's let's be clear, English language is very, very important for that service. So, you know, maybe some there are some crumbs there that they'll, they'll be able to tick over with. Okay, well, that was a slightly more optimistic note, Colin. <laughs> should we should we plan to leave it there at that for our listeners this week? I think I think that's probably a good idea, and hopefully, on a more optimistic note for you and I, we're both sounding a bit better next week. I certainly hope so. Okay, Colin, good chatting. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, be well. Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.